0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This program is brought to you by Joule, Sous-Vide by Chef Steps. Joule takes the guesswork out of cooking. Learn more at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. I'm one of HRN's interns, Nina Medvinskaya, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. This week's topic, the marriage of food and danger. Sometimes, danger lurks in the food that we eat. So instead of saying what is poisonous, I'd rather say what's not, because it's literally just the flesh and the fins. Food poisoning doesn't just threaten our bodies but it endangers our environment as well. The emissions of JBS combined with the other top five meat companies exceed the annual emissions of Exxon, Shell, or BP. For more, tune into this week's Meat and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Hi, I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a new podcast about building consumer brands. When Haven's Kitchen launched a line of fresh sauces for grocery stores last year, I knew we were jumping into something crazy. We're a cooking school in New York, and creating a product line for stores across the country would require a lot of learning. So, in my efforts to get educated, I started meeting everyone I know and respect who could advise me and share their experiences. Then I started having those conversations here. As a podcast, so that other entrepreneurs can learn from them as well. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Hannah Bromfman, a multi hyphenate DJ, entrepreneur, wellness guru, I like that word, <laughs> and now author. Uh, Hannah is a global brand ambassador for Adidas and American Express, as well as the face of Pop Sugar programming via her digital show Hanagram. Hannah has been featured in a bunch of campaigns and hosted a bunch of programs on EVH1 and the Food Network, and with the publication of her first book coming up, I think it's safe to say that Hannah has turned it all into a full-blown brand. I'm super psyched she's here today because I've been getting a lot of questions from listeners about building a brand. Does it have to start with a product? Does it have to start with a store? People are creating businesses that aren't exactly traditional, and they want guidance. So I think you are a perfect guest for that. Welcome, Thank, Hannah.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
2: My pleasure. Um, so I feel like it wasn't that long ago that you were in fourth grade. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> You're, ha ha.
2: ha, ha. Um, but I do always start off sort of asking, because I feel like people have had the most sort of random and yet indicative answers depending on, like the operations people have very interesting answers of like what they wanted to be in fourth grade. and Interesting. You know, so can you tie back to, do you remember when you were 10, 11?
3: I do, yeah. When I was 10, 11, I really wanted to be a ballerina. Yeah. I was in full-blown dance mode, um, dancing almost eight hours a day, wow. going to performing arts camps. Um, you know, it was pre- uh, like you know, It was prepubescent mm-hmm. Right It was yeah. it's before My bat mitzvah It was before right. Like you know Friends kind of Made my life mm-hmm. um, And ballet Was definitely um, What I was striving To achieve Was this You know Status of You know Ballerina ballerina You know So it was like <laughs> The
2: nutcracker You wanted to be like The girl
3: Yeah Well right. you know I actually didn't So it's funny That you say that Did I want to be the girl I actually Never wanted to be that girl. Uh-huh. I wanted to be the Rat King. I wanted to awesome. be <laughs> the so Sugar cool. Plum Fairy. I wanted right. to be, I wanted to have one of those solo roles that I kind of looked up to in a semi adult. Like those, those roles were kind of always reserved for like the cool teenager girl. Right. You know, and actually, I, before I left ballet, I did end up becoming the, the Rat King. Okay. Well, so that's awesome. that was awesome. Right. Um, but it was actually, so much of what I learned and experienced at that time and in that environment has everything to do with what I do now. Yeah, so trace a little bit of it. Um, So during that time, you know, it's an awkward time for kids, Mm -hmm. whether you're, you know, not growing as fast as everyone else or you're growing in weird places. What was
2: your – not that we have to get into, like, your puberty trajectory, but, like, were you – a late bloomer? Were you an early bloomer? Like, did you, I mean,
3: I was, I don't know in terms of like late <laughs> or early. And I feel like that is like changed over the course of like the yeah. last couple decades. But I was about 12 when um I like got my period mm-hmm. and I was actually at performing arts camp when I got my period. And I remember, and this is actually something I talk about in the book. It was like, you know, someone was like, Get a tampon. You're late for class, right? And I was like, "What happened to like this amazing moment of right. womanhood that I'm like about to embark on? Right. Or where is the like? It was just there was no so clinical. It was so clinical. Yeah. And um at ten and eleven, I remember I I definitely didn't look like everyone else that right. was in my class dancing, and I. Saw how everyone, um, kind of their behaviors. You know, like mm-hmm. a lot of people would, you know, not eat right. or talk about how they were dieting. And yeah. by, by the way, we're ten and eleven I know, years old. It's so, really
2: scary, and
3: and we're only really picking up what we're being told mm-hmm. at home or what what we're hearing from our parents and whatnot. So, I was at a young age. I was exposed to a lot of negative body image right. and body talk, um, and so. Fast forward, Mm -hmm. you know, 21 years, I work in the world of positive body image. That's so interesting. It is a direct line. It really is. Absolutely.
2: And I guess, I mean, so in a way, no matter what the medium was, whether it was like, I'm going to play amazing music and let people just like dance and feel good, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to post myself doing a face mask dancing across the room you're literally sending out of every pore of your body this message to people like just enjoy and like relax and love yourself. I mean, I feel it and I'm definitively not a millennial (laughs) nor am I probably your core like target demographic. (laughs) But I feel good when I watch you do what you do. And it doesn't matter if you're cooking or you're dancing or, I mean, you're DJing or whatever you're doing. I mean, thank you. Your whole MO in life is probably going back to those
3: 10-year-old girls and just wanting to say to them, like... Don't do that to yourself. Seriously. And yeah. and honestly, it's one of those things that if we don't get under control, like all of this like negativity mm-hmm. and um, kind of twisted way of thinking and doing in order to conform to something that doesn't really exist, right. but, you, but it, it could be your whole world yeah. at that moment. But if we don't start changing those thoughts and those conversations with ourselves at a young age, they're the types of thoughts that end up staying with us our entire Excellent. life which can really really you know create like very disastrous things for in our us 20s and our 30s. Oh 1000%, right. right? So So how
2: did it shift? So you did you sort of consciously say like, mm, "uh not so much for me" and then switch into another dance or did you Yeah, so
3: did? so actually it was kind of right around like 15 mm-hmm. where I Really, kind of saw how much dedication um, the ballet world needed, and I kind of got to the point where I like really valued having fun and mm-hmm. like spending time with my friends, and I didn't want to change schools to like go to a performing arts school. Right. So, inevitably, I kind of just said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to be a professional dancer. Mm-hmm. So. I don't need to put these pressures on myself. I'm gonna channel this energy into something else that makes me feel good. So, I actually left the ballet world and I went like full speed ahead into team sports. Right. Okay. At my high school. Um, and I played all sorts of team sports I played soccer, I ran track, I swam, um, I even played basketball. So, you know, and those were the types of like things that I really loved doing because. Where in dance, it was every man for yourself, yeah. even though it was – and it was a fake community. Yeah. Right? But in team sports, it really allowed me to understand what my strengths and weaknesses were. And that's also where I really found out that I was a leader.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That's great. And so that was like – it was really an eye-opening experience, and it was so fun. I had a great time. And, you know, I recently read something about how people who – um are on team sports are really really good in community specifically yeah. in
2: like startup world absolutely they say that the 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 two i mean they the military happens to be very good to hire from and right. and professional or you know college athletes yeah because they learn their value on a team they also learn leadership they also learn how to listen. Listening 1000%. And that the sum of the parts is greater than the individuals. So, but that wasn't, you weren't going to be a professional basketball player. So like, where did you switch? What what did you start thinking about doing professionally? And like when you went to college, what were you thinking about So
3: actually I ended up switching schools in high school to a school that had an amazing campus in Brooklyn called Poly Prep. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's actually where I went, I kind of, fell off a little bit on the sports and went back into the dance world mm-hmm. but this time it was in the in the form of um the dance team and so it oh, was cool. like their form of cheerleaders <laughs> That's awesome. which though. was so cool but right. you know at the same time I still had even in the dance world when I was 10 years old and even in like you know a high school setting when I was 16 I still felt a lot of pressures around identity mm-hmm. um I was kind of never I'm I'm, a, I'm mixed right. and I kind of was never um, black enough right. in certain communities. And so when I went to my high school, I wanted to be on the step team. And the girls mm-hmm. from the step team were like, no, no. no, right? you're gonna go on the dance team. And I was wow. kind of like, oh, okay. Right. Um, and you know, like any teenager switching schools in 11th grade, it can be awkward and mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have your friends. And so I ended up, um, I've always been a lover of the arts. My mom's been, my both my parents are heavily involved in the arts. I kind of right. grew up in museums. So I decided that I actually wanted to like pursue some artwork. So I started doing a lot of sculpture and um, ceramics and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I got really close with my art teacher who really kind of uh, was a major role in kind of getting me to focus on art. Right. And that's when I realized that This was something that I really loved to do. This was something that I could see myself doing over the next couple of years. Um, And I ended up, Getting a couple of awards in high school for my my artwork, and I ultimately ended up going to college for fine art.
2: And so, how did DJing get in? I mean, you're doing art, you're doing, you're in college. You went to Bard. I went to right? Bard. Yeah. So, were you DJing in college, or that's actually
3: you- where I started DJing was in college. So, I, I come from a really musical family, like arts, music. Right. Um. Actually, every single person in my family has a musical talent. Right. And, that's funny. Which, and mine, I guess, is DJ. Right. Um. And I started. DJing in college you know Bard is in a really small town mm-hmm. and there was one bar in the town that we um, lived in which is in Tivoli, New York mm-hmm. and um, we were kind of just like sick of listening to the local music like the locals like taking off the jukebox we're right. like, this is so old school like we need to like liven this place up a little bit right. so we convinced the owner of the bar to give um, my friend and I a night at the bar to throw a party uh-huh. and you know Whoever could get in past the door guy who was like going to let the fake IDs in, right? right? Like it turned out to be such a rager. The bar made (laughs) so much money that Uh, night uh that the owner was like, All right, every Thursday night is yours. Wow. So that's kind of how it all started.
2: And then you just.
3: uh, Well, then I kind of, when I came home from school in the summer, because I live in New York City, right? And I was quite. familiar with the nightlife scene <laughs> um, that I kind of went around knocking on doors and I just said hey I you know I'm I'm DJing I would love to be able to DJ for you guys and right. it, it took a lot of convincing and right. I had two friends who had just opened a pretty awesome spot that gave me a chance and again it was we were you know the night went on till five in the morning and right. eventually you know this is all before social media so this right. it was purely word of mouth. I ended up getting a few residences but then I would go back to school. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then I would maybe only play once a month in the city. Right. Um, and that's kind of what what was what I was dealing with.
2: Were you building a following then that translated into later? I mean, like would would people who listened to you back then sort of seek you out going further, or was it more well, I mean, I don't know how the DJ world It's works.
3: funny because like I got my first kind of gig in the fashion world, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: right after college. And that was because of someone who had heard of me for the years prior. Mm -hmm. So it is a trickle effect, you know, and it definitely, you know, and I work with a ton of people now who are like, I knew you went, you know, and we were all just kind of coming up together. And that was a real, that was my first hustle. That was like my first, you know, knocking on doors, trying to get myself, you know, a gig here and there, by the way. Getting paid peanuts, like working six-hour shifts from, you know, 11 to 5 a.m. It's not glamorous work, but it was super fun, and I felt like I you know, had a very specific point of view in terms of my right. music. Um, I mean, it does
2: bring together, like if you're leading the group, right, you get to get like your groove on a little bit. Cause you like, you have the dancing thing. Totally. It's like a big team sport. Yeah. Essentially. Totally. All right. On that note, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about how you converted all of that into what you're doing today.
3: Okay, sweet. Yeah.
1: This program is brought to you by Joule sous vide. My name is Katie Moseman Wadler. I am the executive director of HRN and a real life Joule user. When you cook with Joule, there's zero guesswork, so steak, chicken, seafood, turkey, vegetables, and eggs all come out exactly the way you like them. The paired app is intuitive to use and preloaded with all the recipes you'll need, and it has a great visual doneness guide. Joule is awesome for holiday cooking. It's easy to cook for a crowd, and it's perfectly precise, so you can focus on entertaining without worrying about checking food temps, while Joule does all the work. You can try out new cuts fearlessly. One of the best things I ever made sous vide was a juicy, tender heritage goose with juniper berries, and it was life-changing. And pro tip, Joule is small and packs easily, so you can sneak it along on your holiday travels to be this season's food hero everywhere you go. With Joule, you get perfect food every time. To get yours, visit ChefSteps.com slash jewel and use code HRN as in Heritage Radio Network to get $15 off for a limited time. That's ChefSteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code HRN. And happy holidays from all of us at Team HRN.
2: Hi, and welcome back to In the Sauce. I'm um, having a great conversation with Hannah Bromfman, and now we're going to get to your book. So tell me how the book happened, what the book is and, um, you know, what you're excited about.
3: Sure, okay. So the book is called Do What Feels Good and it is available for pre-order right now. Um, So the book really is a download of everything I've learned over the last 10 years on my wellness journey. Um, It is expert advice, pro tips, different, um, different ways that you can implement goals to kind of achieve a better sense of self. Um, This is not a guide to be like me. This is Mm -hmm. not a meal plan and this is not a workout guide. This is literally a way um, of living. This is every, this is all the advice, everything I've learned that I rely on on the daily. Um, And it's really about kind of getting back in tune with yourself.
2: And I mean, I guess for, you know, the people that listen to this podcast are listening because, Ultimately they have either an idea or they're starting something or they think they might at some point. Sure. Like it's kind of a niche thing, mm-hmm. right? And so I guess what what I've been hearing a lot of from people who listen is you know they have a big Instagram following or they have a blog or they have a community that they've built in fill in the blank. And now they want to kind of turn that into something bigger. And I guess I'd love you to talk about a little bit how you are doing that. Sure. Um, I think the book is a piece of that, right? Because you're putting something out there that is something for people to have in their homes that isn't you dancing on your story, right? I mean, so, (laughs) so talk a little bit about that.
3: Yeah. So well, in the beginning when you kind of said this is for people who um, are wondering, like, do you build a product first? Do you build mm-hmm. a brand first? So I would say you build a voice yeah, first. Yeah, that's great. Um, and that's kind of what I did. So um, we just kind of all – we just talked about a lot about how I de- I was DJing a lot in my, mm-hmm. in my l- like, late teens, early 20s. Um, and it was that life that was really – when I left school, it was the height of the economic decline. I was DJing, um, you know, simply to just make money. I want you know I wanted to be an artist but I between rent right. and studio rent and materials forget so it. so you
2: didn't think that you would be a professional DJ you still wanted to be a ceramicist oh or yeah a painter, I wanted right. to
3: be a full like installation artist Got it. like large scale right. like the whole thing um, work in MoMA she you still know. might be well you never know right <laughs> but um, I was DJing a lot to to make money and I found that I woke up one day extremely burnt out
0: mm-hmm.
2: and
3: I realized that this lifestyle was not sustainable. Um, And that's kind of when I shifted my focus on, Really, kind of changing my lifestyle so that I could get back to the things that made me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, my skin was out of whack, my stomach was out of whack. I was, um, you know, eating one meal a day. By the way, I'm obsessed with cooking. I always have been. I was always eating out. Right. Um, you know, drinking so much, literally sleeping all day, partying all night. Right. And I realized that. I was like, I could, I didn't even know how much longer I could, I could before I would just be, you know, out. So I made a conscious decision to kind of switch up my lifestyle, and I devoted myself to really living the happiest and healthiest version of myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what sparked my journey, and that was when I was, um, 20 years old. Wow. Um, and so I started to meet a bunch of experts and take a bunch of tests and figure out what was going on with me, what was going on with my gut. um, how my gut correlates to my skin, how um, everything I eat like is affecting my mood, yeah. you know, everything. And so um, it was actually kind of through that process, um, while also the, the real shift I made in my lifestyle in terms of my income was you know, I only had one craft at the time, and it right. was DJing. So right. instead of DJing nightclubs, I started DJing corporate events. Right. The money was better. The hours were better. Right. Um, and suddenly, I was now in front of like a group of you know brand marketers right. as opposed to you know people degenerates. People going to clubs. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> not that club people are degenerates, but no, at, you know, I felt like one at the time. So <laughs> I'm saying it in jest. Um, I don't think lovely. many of them are listening, <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> um. So so basically. That's really what kind of started my my real kind of um, journey in the health world and my obsession with this you know world of wellness that that seemed like I was learning something new every single day right um, and not so necessarily even something new but also something new about myself right um, and so I was just super I was just. Fascinated, um, And that's actually when I started my first startup. Um, so I actually realized that because I was DJing for these brands, mm-hmm. um, I kind of needed to take a little bit more care in my appearance. Uh-huh. Um, so whether I was going to get my hair done or get a manicure or something, um, it was kind of the year that I think Uber had been out for one year already. Mm-hmm. And I realized that there – and there was also Groupon. right. And like guilt group and yep. this like kind of like these on demand yes. services and there was nothing in the beauty industry. Um, so I decided that I was going to make an on demand luxury last minute booking beauty app. Right. Um, I found business partners. We made a business plan. I found the tech guy. Was we, Instagram like what was Instagram, happening at Instagram? At Instagram at that was probably around for maybe a year and a half. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, around a year and a half. Maybe okay. even less to be honest. Um because I think Instagram came out in 2011. I think I got my Instagram in December of 2011 and I launched I started working on this company in 2012. Right. Okay. But we didn't launch until 2013. Right. Anyway, we launched our company and through that I also became um, so in like intertwined in the beauty world, meeting mm-hmm. all of these different entrepreneurs who were business owners, um, right. and it was I wanted to maximize their small business, right? I wanted to fill their unsold right. chairs Absolutely. and and do that whole thing. So that was my first real look into the business world. I created a product. I found my co-founders. We raised money, and then we ended yeah. up having a falling out. Right. And so, you know, I went through my, essentially I went through my MBA in business by creating a business and failing.
2: I kind of think that's the best way to do it. I'd like to not have the failing part, but I definitely, you're definitely
3: not failing. (laughs) I've been like your number one customer, I feel like for the last like five years.
2: I mean, you can't, you know, you can learn things theoretically, but I mean, I, I also have a bunch of guests that ask, if they need to get an MBA or need to go, I mean, right? I
3: I, and I, I did think for a minute about right. going to business school. It'd be
2: nice to be able to do Excel. <sighs> totally. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like things I'm still learning, you know, and the thing is at the end of the day, we, all of that stuff in theory just doesn't when you're in practice, it's super different. Totally. You
3: know? And I, there is something to be said in the world of business, there are a thousand different types right. of people. Right, you might right? Not be an analytic. You, right. right, there are analysts. There are tech people. There are brand officers. There are visionaries and creatives. And then there's downright operations. Right. right? So, um, and logistics. Right. So it's like you gotta you you can there are so many ways that you can go into it. You just kind of right. have to figure out. And by the way, you really do need to figure it out because yeah. you're not going to be able to do everything, and that's super right. important.
2: Well, it's one of the things I was talking to two co-founders last week, and you know, one of the big caveats they sort of said was the reason why it's working for them so well is because they are so different. So two creatives starting a business together is probably a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Anyway. Absolutely. So, so did the, how did this evolve? Because.
3: Sure. Yeah. So, okay. So then, um, I, I didn't think I'd ever recover after yeah. this, right? It was it was my baby, it was everything, and I had spent in the last three years working on it. Did they continue to do it? No, they didn't. Right. Um, well, just yeah, whatever. We don't have to go into that. Okay. But, um, <laughs> kind of when I just, when I like picked myself back up, uh-huh. I thought to myself, and then I turned to my to my Instagram and I said, I, you know, I've been cultivating this community here, right. and they all want to know like what I'm. Doing, what I'm, yeah. What what kind yeah. of smoothies I'm making? What doctors I'm seeing? No, this all is these. interesting.
2: Why do you think? I mean, this is a very hard question to answer. But why do you think? Because a lot of people went on Instagram in 2012 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Why do you think? I mean, you have a massive following, and it doesn't seem like you're like playing with any algorithms to try to get it that way. Something about you resonated early on and continues to. With a group of people. And and like, what do you think it is? Not that it's replicable, because I don't think it is. And frankly, I don't think even if people tried right now, they could get to it. Well,
3: you know, it's not that I think actually, if they tried, they could. And I think it really what resonated with my audience was really just my voice and my willingness to put myself out there. My Mm -hmm. vulnerability was my asset in this circumstance. I didn't necessarily know that I was doing that. Right. I was just using just, this thing, just showcase like what I was up to. And like, I genuinely was like making, you know, beet hummus and right. my green smoothies and working out and trying to do the things that made me feel really good while also trying to run a business. And it was kind of just, you know, I, I don't know. It was just, it was authentic.
2: So when, and I, and I, we keep going back to authentic because I got a question about competition. I was just talking to Maddie about it. Like a, on like someone DM'd me a couple of days ago and I really, I don't actually believe in competition. I don't believe that there is competition. Like I just, I believe that you have your thing and that someone could build the exact same, someone could open heaven's kitchen literally <laughs> next door <laughs> to me and you would walk in and it could be the same subway tile and the same everything but something wouldn't feel the same because it wouldn't be authentic. So every individual brand that is completely authentic doesn't have to worry about competition if you're building something true and real that makes sense.
3: So I agree with you, but it mm-hmm. took me a long time right. to understand that right, because at the time for me, As a female DJ who, um, you know, was trying to get booked for gigs, Mm -hmm. but then I would lose a gig to a different female DJ. It was really difficult for me to, like, not compare myself to other people. And it was actually through my Instagram and Mm -hmm. through my passion of health and wellness that allowed me to say I am different than these other people. Mm-hmm. I have more to say and more to do than is just DJ, right. right? Like I want to explore this because I think for me, there's going to be something here within this world of wellness. I kind of, you know, seven years ago, <clears throat> you know, I was on the beginning of this boom. Right.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and that's my question. Like, so you have this big setback you have a personal and a professional Okay, And here, come, right, and yeah. here
3: comes the resurrection. Yeah. Which is... Um, it's like I, the hero's
2: journey. Yeah. So
3: <laughs> I, I realized I had this amazing Instagram community and I decided to launch a platform called hbfit.com. Right. Um, and that is a site for millennial women who are interested in all things health, beauty, and fitness. Um, that's kind of what I was doing personally on a personal level with my Instagram. But... I wanted to create an actual destination where people could talk about this yeah. in longer form content, really dive into all the, I, you know, I've always been a guinea pig, right? right? I've always wanted to try all the things. And so this was really going to be the destination where we could talk about all those things in length right? Um, so that it would also be bigger than me.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the big, that's the big question. I mean, the, literally my next question is like thoughts about a person being a brand versus a brand a company being a brand and a business being a brand. And there are, you know, if you're a creative, like if you, if you did become that artist, you wouldn't be able to, to have a business that wasn't dependent essentially on like you constantly feeding it and creating art. But the goal of creating something outside of yourself is that it lives on. I mean, so I was, I was very
3: conscious about this. Obviously I didn't want this to be Hannah Right. Right. But, there yeah. is similarities with HB and HB Fit yep. um, and I kind of used that to my advantage so in yeah. the beginning I, I kind of it was my initials with fitness and that was the hashtag I was using on Instagram mm-hmm. and then I got the eyeballs on the dot com and then after about a year and a half of the dot-com, I relaunched it to be health, beauty, and fitness. Now, I will say that I was always very aware that my initials went with health and beauty. Oh, interesting, right, sure. And back in the day in college, I actually wanted to put out an app that was... HB on HP, which was Hannah Bronfman's take on health and beauty right. and I wanted them to be city guides right. essentially
2: which you can still do totally, right. totally.
3: <laughs> um, and so I was very conscious about this shift that I wanted to create eventually mm-hmm. because I definitely wanted the brand to live on outside right. of me and beyond me especially if we're going to talk about people like advertisements mm-hmm. um and certain deals because I have certain deals as a as an individual right. um and then HB fit has certain deals as a dot com right. and some of them don't overlap at all so what would be
2: i mean in terms of you know advising people who are thinking of leveraging communities that they've built into businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, what are some things that you would say... Keep an eye on and like some advice you would give, and then what are some things you wish you had known that you didn't do or that you should have done, or you know, yeah, I looking mean, looking back,
3: I, I definitely think, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's crazy how much people are willing to tell you about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say if you're a brand or, or product or or what, that there's so much you can learn from your audience by asking the right questions. Yeah. Um, and even if it's not the right question just ask all the questions because people will really um, really give you answers it's the one place i've really found that people want to chat and talk yep. um you know more so than i think even being in person yeah. or getting an email or definitely. anything so yeah. definitely ask your community because i mean that can be your r and d right there yeah. um that can be your brand voice you know that that's that's everything
2: yeah i'm um, a big believer in that and i think also you know they It's not just that I mean I used to be I used to almost feel bad asking because I felt like they were already supporting me so I don't want to like take your time and but I've actually completely shifted because I think they want me to know them. Absolutely. They they want a brand that knows them. That's representative of them. Absolutely. For sure.
3: Absolutely. And then I think something that I wish I had done. Mm -hmm. Um I wish I kind of. I mean, it's it's funny because I I'm a multi hyphenate and mm-hmm. I do all the things. But I kind of wish I almost focused a little bit more on one thing, um, just because, you know. I think now, literally now, mm-hmm. using like as a, my book for example. Um, you know, I thought I was like a like a self promoter all these years, right? Right. And it's like I'll meet someone who doesn't even know that I've written a book, right? And I'm like, oh wow, well I really need to step up my yes. game, right? And so if I had one platform that was really a lot stronger than the other, right? Maybe that would be a better platform to launch products such as a book or right. something else, right? So it, it, in a way. I, It's funny because I've been saying all these years, you know, we're not our grandfather's or grandparent's generation where it's do one thing for the rest of your life, right? I'm the complete opposite of that. Um, Yet everything I do kind of culminates into this brand that I built for myself. Um, But if I, I feel like if I could have focused a little bit more energy and time into one thing, that maybe I would be in a different position now. But at the same time...
2: Yeah, I mean, at you know, first of all, you can never look back that way. And at the too. same time, what you've been doing is, you know, building that authenticity piece so exactly. that when you are ready to sort of take HB Fit to the next level, whatever right. that may be. Right. You know, you've, you've been kind of, I mean, we, we talk about this internally a lot. I don't have a personal Instagram Mm -hmm. and I try not to have too much personal stuff on the, I mean, sometimes on stories, I'll find something funny. I might be literally the only one and I'll just put it there. I'll put my dog there. But I, I, first of all, I couldn't handle it. I mean, I literally couldn't handle posting on more than one thing. Mm -hmm. I tried even having a separate sauce Instagram and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but I definitely wonder if I had, if I had more of like a founder out there thing, if it would do, if my business would have a little bit more, I don't know. I I still feel like it's it's still not as known as it should be after almost seven years, you know? Right. And I, I wonder about that, but there's really no, I mean, there is no one way. I do think that there is a difference between, um, staying in your lane, which is not, I don't think, not only is it not the right way to do it, but I don't think it's possible these days. I think you have to have a lot of different things going on because I agree. It's hard to just have one. Yeah. But, you know, I think
3: But it's like I yeah. don't know, I I feel like I discovered Haven's Kitchen like what six years ago. Oh, yeah,
2: well you're an early adopter.
3: I, right? I really was. I was going yeah. to those cooking classes all the time, mm. giving them to friends as presents yeah. and um and we I'm happy about that. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I feel like I knew about you guys completely organically. Um, so I so in that way, I, I feel like, you know, you almost don't necessarily even need to have so much of a founder's right. presence there. Um, but, it, but you know, this all is, it's all nuanced, right? Right. So for some people, their business only works because of who the founder is. Right. And for some people, no one knows who's who the behind the company. Right. right. It could be even like a fake company that a VC created. Right. Who even knows? Yep. Um So it's, which I think is really kind of just goes down or comes down down to the power of marketing.
2: Right. But it also, I mean, in terms of those, those sort of like pretend ish brands, Mm -hmm. they, you know, I, someone told me a long time ago, like when we first started selling the sauces, he said, you know, don't ring the bell when you make your first sale, you know, you ring the bell when you've made your third You know, when that person comes back, not a second time, but a third time, like Mm -hmm. similar to heaven's kitchen, right? right? Someone's going to go in there and they're going to buy a matcha, but they're probably not going to go back. Right. And similar to those companies, you know, you can spend a ton of money marketing something that doesn't have like a true core, Mm -hmm. but at some point the jig is up right? and the money, you know, if the thing isn't doing it for itself and it just keeps getting money from the outside, that that can't last forever, especially because right. we're going to have another downturn at some point, totally. you know, soonish, probably. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's the time. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's hard for people that are building things kind of slow and steady wins the race and we're putting one foot in front of another. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to look around and see like wait, what? You know, when you listen, see- I, I
3: mean, it, I feel like I've seen every, you know, there's a new skincare brand, a new wellness mm-hmm. brand that pops up every single day. And I'm like, Oh, well, like, mm-hmm. am I missing my opportunity here? Is, mm-hmm. is, and then I just have to constantly remind myself like, no, like I'm, I'm on my path. Yeah. It's might not be my time. Right. Right. This exact right. moment to build, you know, a product. Right. Um, and then I'm like, wait, I do have a product and it's my book. Yeah. So I know get it together. Yeah. You know, sometimes you really need to remind yourself that you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Excellent. And as long as you're doing it wholeheartedly, like you should feel really good about that.
2: I agree. I think that's actually a really good cause similar to competition. I also don't believe that you missed an opportunity. Right. I don't believe in missed opportunities because right. it's your life. Right. right. And right. it'll happen when it happens, whatever right. it is, is like you're building a foundation right now. Right. Um, that can turn into anything you want it to be, you know? And the book is, I mean, my publisher won't love hearing me say this, but the reality is, is I didn't market my book as well as I should have. Mm -hmm. I was a little uncomfortable about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I was, I didn't, it just felt weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I, you know, you could argue I missed an opportunity there. Mm -hmm. It also came out on the same day as Salt Fat. Acid heat. heat. Yeah, which was... The, you know, well, so other book, people have read
3: that. <laughs> my, my book is coming out the same day as Gwyneth's book. Okay. So All right. I well, don't know if that's a good thing or a yeah, bad thing. I mean, you know... There's no reason to choose one. No, and I will say again, like having it's like your perspective and outlook. Like for me, you know, yes, wellness has gotten increasingly more difficult to kind of stand out in. And the world of, you know, new you, new year, new you January books is like a saturated market. But you know, I'm the only kind of black millennial girl Mm -hmm. in that crew. Um, coming out with a book this year. So hopefully that works to my advantage.
2: Well, I think it will. And I also think that the fact that you people so connect to you, I mean, I'm not a black millennial girl and I'm super pumped to read it. Like I can't actually wait. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, my pleasure. So tell me um, what's the most fun you've had along this whole journey of building the business that is now you and HB Fit?
3: Ooh, wow.
2: Can you um, remember like a, ah, okay, this is fun.
3: Um. Wow. I, I mean, to be honest, I've had a lot. I've, I feel... It's been fun. It's been really... It's been really, really fun. Yeah. Um, I feel really grateful and blessed. It's It's been, I'm not going to lie, this job is definitely taxing and a lot of outward energy. Mm-hmm. But like I thrive off of outward energy and right. I, you know, I love interacting with people. Um, some of the most like rewarding and most fun things that I've kind of done are, are kind of in conjunction with some of the brands I've gotten to work with. Um, whether it was kind of like this Big like workout day that I did with Adidas in Mm -hmm. in LA where, you know, the community was brought together and we did this like big hike um, in Hancock Park and, you know, I got to like chat with real women who um, you know, felt inspired and wanted to like, you know, give me a hug right. and like whatever, you know, yeah. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. Like, That's
2: cool. um, yeah, so- I mean, I think it goes back to you in fourth grade. Totally. You know, you want to look at those ballerinas that are thinking they have to starve themselves and say like, there's another way yeah. and just. Don't do that to yourself and be good and be kind. What's the thing that you do to take care of yourself when you, when you, cause you do put out a lot of outward energy and I'm sure you need a little recoup.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do a bunch of things to take (laughs) care of. And they're all in the book, (laughs) which you can
2: pre-order now.
3: Exactly. (laughs) No, but I mean, you know, one thing I really try and do on the regular is acupuncture. Right. For me, that's just, it, it, it keeps me. It keeps my chi in tune. Mm-hmm. It keeps me grounded. Um, you know, because of all that outward energy, you can get into a fight or fight m- yeah. mode really quickly. Yep. Um, And so it's really. Um, it really helps me kind of ground and like relax and also like. Turn off for a minute. Yeah, I have a really hard time turning off. Yeah, I'm one of those people where you know it's I'm in bed. It's 11 o'clock. I want to go to sleep, and I'm just constantly (inaudible) thinking about (inaudible) more, 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 more. What can I do? (inaudible) What do I have to go on tomorrow? Who do I need to email? And I'm (inaudible) like, wait, like what? Like just relax, calm down. Um, between that, between acupuncture and honestly, uh, like a breathing exercise, I do. Those are the two things that really kind of help. Um, relax my nervous system. Right. Um, not that I'm an anxious person. No, but, but you got that, a lot of yeah, energy. I, exactly. Yeah. I have a lot of energy, so I, I need to um, constantly kind of like stay grounded. And awesome. yeah. So those. That's what I. That's what I would say.
2: Yeah. So I have to put in a little plug for the Chobani incubator because applications opened, Let's and so go I'm going to talk about that for a second, and then I want you to tell people where to go pre-order your book because okay. I don't want it to be now because I want it to be at the end so people can do it. Okay, Okay, so the Chobani Incubator. um, I think you guys know that we were in the Incubator. I also, um, a couple of episodes ago, interviewed Mitch from the Incubator. Um, I have to say it was the best experience I've ever had. And if you are starting, you have to have some sales, um, but if you have a, a... Particularly a consumer brand, a grocery brand, and you want to learn as much as you can from the amazing people at Chobani from procurement to marketing, understanding consumers and your customers, which are the grocery stores, using data to your advantage and everything in between. Applications are now open for their spring 2019 class. Incubatees receive a $25,000 equity free investment. Um, And access to Chobani's network and expertise, I can tell you personally, I'm still using that (laughs) network and expertise, and we technically graduated. Um, We, like a bunch of other companies, applied uh, the year before, and we weren't accepted, and then we were accepted in year two. So if you have applied in the past, please don't let that stop you from applying again. Five out of the six companies selected, including us in our last class, had previously applied before. Um, You can apply today at chobaniincubator.com and applications are open until January 31st. So Hannah, now where can people go buy your book um, and what do you want them to do? (laughs)
3: <laughs> okay, so my book is available for pre-sale. Um, it makes a great holiday gift. Definitely. Um, and you can really buy this book anywhere that books are sold online. Awesome. Um, that's Amazon. That's Harper, HarperCollins.com. Barnes & Noble. Um, Barnes & Noble. Um, so yeah, check it out. It is called Do What Feels Good. And there are tons of remedies, routines, and recipes that will help you treat your body right.
2: Yeah, and feel good. Because that really, Mm -hmm. if you don't feel good, then don't do any of this. No,
3: and and you know, it's funny, like we talk so much about self-care and, you know, self-care really isn't selfish because at the end of the day, we take care of ourselves so that we can be a better mother, Mm -hmm. friend, community member. Um, And it's really, you know, so when you take care of yourself, you can really help take care Mm -hmm. of the things that need to be taken care of around you. It's why I say
2: almost every day at work, how much I love the millennials. I love you guys for introducing that because my generation, it was like, if you're not martyrdoming yourself, Mm -hmm. then somehow you're not working hard enough. And it's so wrong. And it's adding such harm into the world and like creating such negative energy. And so I'm very grateful for you. Thank you. All right. So G, thank you for being our engineer on today's episode. And, um, I'll be back next week with another episode of in the sauce.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
2: My pleasure.
1: Next year, Heritage Radio Network is turning 10. For the last decade, we've been committed to bringing listeners around the world the very best in food radio for free. Our small staff and incredible network of hosts work hard so that listeners can tune in each week to hear the important conversations in food policy, stay on the cutting edge of cocktail culture, and hear the latest updates in food tech. But there is no HRN without the support of listeners like you. Become a member of Heritage Radio Network today and help HRN get a strong start to our second decade. Choose from exclusive member gifts and stay in the loop on discounts to upcoming events. There's no better time to show your support. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate and wish HRN a happy birthday.